You're listening to the Cannabis Investing Network. Before we begin, a short disclaimer. The full disclaimer follows at the end of this episode. This podcast is a general communication and is being provided for entertainment and information purposes only. It is educational in nature and is not designed to be a recommendation for any specific investment strategy, plan, feature, or other purpose. Please enjoy responsibly. Hello and welcome back to the Cannabis Investing Network podcast. My name is Manish. It's May 19th and I'm joined today with the pundit of Toronto. His name is Abby. How you doing, Abby? Doing well, Main Street Manish. Thought <laughs> you'd like that one for this episode. It's not bad. It's not bad. No one's ever accused me of being from Main Street, I'll tell you that. Main Street, really? Main Street Manish. I like that. I like that. So today we're going to talk about um, something that's been kind of bugging me for the last couple weeks, and it's the difference between the stock market and the everyday economy um, and what that actually means for us as investors. Mm-hmm. So, Abby, I think you had you had sent me the title. This is like Wall Street versus Main Street. Yeah, the economy versus the stock market. Yes, and, absolutely. You know, we'll get into it. Yeah, we'll get into it. And um, I, for me, just given my background, I'm always puzzled why people always draw the parallel between the two, or sorry, not why they draw the parallel between the two, but why they think it's why the, why they think they're synonyms for each other, and they're not. Right. Okay. So let's let's get into that. But uh, you know, I'll say personally, the reason I really wanted to do this episode was because um, I've been sitting here the last few weeks. You know, given what's happening with COVID, um, and I personally just cannot make sense of where the stock market is trading. Right, and the fact that it's had an unbelievable rally despite us being in, you know, the harshest. Uh, economic circumstances maybe we've ever seen right so sure. that's yeah. that's really what the genesis of this was but let's let's dive into the nitty-gritty um so abby why don't you kick it off what why is yeah, for sure the economy different than the stock market and how is it different for sure for sure and so listen well let's just go through the agenda and i think manish by the end of this episode you'll 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 have that head scratcher that you've been having i think will be uh, alleviated so sure. if it's not just you know Listen to this episode again, and you'll definitely get it the second time. <laughs> um, so yeah, if we go through the agenda, let's just quickly go over, you know, uh, stock market versus the economy. <clears throat> um, you know, why people think they're correlated or why people think they're the same. We'll go over why they're different, and then we'll just draw on a couple examples there. So I really want to kick this off by stating this first. The stock market is not the economy. Okay. They're not the same thing, all right? And in, in fact, they're actually not even necessarily correlated all the time, right? And we can use a good example of that is look at 2009, Manish. Remember you and I, when this whole COVID thing happened, you kept um, bringing up 2009. Sure. Um, right. Uh, in the end of 2009, the market actually did quite well. The S&P 500 specifically is one that I'm relying, uh, that I'm pinning this to was up about 26%. Okay. Um, 
real GDP fell about 2.5%. Hmm. Right. So it's, it's in that example, it's like, look, the stock market did great, but the GDP went down. Okay. So right. you can see there's already a disconnect there, especially in the short term. Right. 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 And so, right. And a lot of people kind of say, well, okay, maybe the stock market is an indicator of how the economy is doing. Now, is that always the case? Well, the answer is quite underwhelming and it's sometimes. <laughs> so sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. Right. It is something yeah. it, it, it's thought of as a leading indicator. It, there's been times where um, the market has indicated that, that sorry, there's been times where the stock market has indicated the economy is going to do poorly. And we can draw on 2000, the dot com boom for that or the dot com crash for that. Um, you know, the, the market was a leading indicator of things were overvalued. The market crashed and then the economy kind of went down with it. And so what do I mean by that? Right. The market came down, which means the S&P 500 closed lower than what started the year off with. And then GDP year after year started to contract. Right. So how should people think about, how, how should people think about the economy versus the stock market? Well, there's one analogy that uh, I like to draw on, and this is like my economics professor drew on this um, as well. Uh, and it's basically if you think about a man or a person walking their dog. All right. So this person okay. grabs a leash, grabs their dog, is going to take their dog out for a walk, and they're going to cut across a park. All right. So just picture a square park. Man and a dog are going to walk across the park. The man or the woman is going to go from point A to point B, which is whatever, a straight line in this in this example. If you look at how the person behaves or how the person walks and do a gait analysis on them, you can start seeing that, you know, their strides are going to be relatively the same. Some might be larger, some might be smaller, um, but ultimately they're not going to veer too far off the path and they're going to try to take the shortest path from point A to point B, right? It's going to be a nice, smooth transition. If you watch the dog in this example, the dog can go anywhere, right? The dog can chase a squirrel. It can tug on the leash. It can go behind the person. It can go in front of the person. It can go beside the person. It can follow right next to the person. Uh, it has a very short attention span. It can see another dog or chasing. So, you know, you kind of get the example, right? So you kind of get the visualization here. And so in that example, the person is the economy. Okay. Um, okay. They, you know, they're chugging along slowly, steadily going straight forward, whereas the dog is the market. And the market mm -hmm. is going up and down, um, acting irrationally at times, right? Similar to how you feel is happening right now, mm -hmm. right? You feel like, hey, the dog is pulling this person. And you're like, wait, why is the market doing so well? You know, the man is walking or the woman, this, the, the person in this example is walking really slowly. Or in, in this case, has right. literally sat down and taken a breather. Right, exactly. Doesn't matter for and the, the dog. And the dog seems to have like run off, run off on its own. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a long leash. So this, the dog has started to go <laughs> as far away as, from the person as possible. And I mean, and like, look, that's, that can happen because why they're, because a dog and a man are two different species, stock market and the economy should be looked at in the same way. And I know it can be frustrating okay, so and you've vented your frustrations before. Mm -hmm. regarding well let's let's know, so, so let's let's yeah. recap let's go into your analogy into that yeah so let's let's recap your analogy first so the man is the economy the dog is the stock market 
they're fundamentally just different animals, right? Um, and although the man's kind of walk is a little more predictable, a little more smooth, uh, kind of step by step represents, you know, quarter by quarter, right? The kind of mm-hmm. um, growth that happens. Uh, the dog is very excitable, so it can it can sort of, you know, get ahead of itself. It can fall behind. It can get distracted. It can easily kind of jump around while the person just keeps kind of, you know, walking at a much more kind of measured pace to get to the end goal. But the idea is that over time, they are supposed to move together. They are supposed to move to the same points together over a period of time. Over a long period of time. Yeah. Which is the park example. Right. And and obviously long period could be anything. It could be a year. It could be multiple years. could be decades. Who knows? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, exactly. I would say it'd be 30, 30, 40 years. So, so I guess, I guess one thing to think about too, when we talk about the stock market is that the stock market, um, has the, the kind of businesses that are publicly listed is not necessarily a very good representation of what makes up the economy, right? There's tons and tons well, of the businesses. Stock is, well, okay, the stock market is an input into the economy. In what way? How, how do you, right? how do like, you mean? The stock market creates jobs. There's, there's jobs that there are people who work in the stock market. They contribute to the economy. Sure. They generate commissions by bait, by buying and selling. It's a sector in its own. It's the financial sure. sector. It, it's, it's not, yeah, fair enough. It's not, it's not separate. Right. And that's a, one of the inputs that goes into the economy. And when we say economy, we're specifically talking about gross domestic product, GDP, right? That's what we're, okay, we're, fair, we're, fair enough. we're talking about over here. So do you feel that the market should accurately reflect um, what's going on in the day-to-day of the economy or no? Well, not, no, not necessarily. I, I mean, would I like it to? Absolutely. But do I think that it should? Absolutely not. It's it's almost impossible. And the reason for that is that, you know, there are multiple different variables that impact the stock market and stock prices. And they range from the craziest things like geopolitical tensions, natural disasters, interest rates, tax rates, fiscal policies, law changes. All of these have input into how the stock market behaves. Okay. Right. On top of that, add in earnings, add in fundamentals that you like to talk about all the time. Right. Sure. And where I think the frustration for a lot of people are coming in from is that fundamentals don't make sense right now. We are locked in. We can't leave our house. Why is the stock market doing so well? The economy is doing poorly. And the reason why is because there are multiple other factors that can fuel stock market growth, right? Law change, policy changes are one of the biggest factors that can change stock market growth. And we've sure, seen that I, I guess it, in the last couple Yeah, months. sure. So, sorry, go ahead. Well, sure. I, I mean, I, I guess the thing to think about too is, is when you're talking about, like one thing that I've realized through, through getting into cannabis and, and getting to learn about public markets is that, um, you know, the way a public market, a stock market behaves is really its own beast, right? And, and that's why people spend all this time doing technical analysis and studying charts and all that kind of stuff, right? At the end of the day, it's really right. a study of a pattern of behavior of people, right? And, and I've, I've talked many times about you know, the fact that I kind of aggressively ignore technical analysis, but it, 
you know, the, the reality is there's a whole game into itself of trying to understand the way the market moves kind of in the, in the short term, day to day, week to week kind of fluctuations. Right. And what's interesting to me is that, you know, I've, I've really learned two things about the stock market. And the first is that, um, nobody really has any idea of what's going to happen tomorrow. It's just really not possible to know. And the smarter the people are, the more they seem to accept the fact that, look, nobody can tell you how the market will behave tomorrow. Okay. Then the second thing is that anything can happen. And, and truly, you know, markets with enough time, you can see all kinds of things happen, um, whether or not they're connected to the reality of the underlying situation. Right. And, and to me, that's kind of what we're seeing. We're seeing something super exceptional happening today. And there's a lot of reasons people kind of throw out behind it, but nobody really fully understands because it's such a complex machine. There's so many different types of groups involved. There's so many um, types of, of, of incentives and motives behind it. There's things like algorithmic, tra- algorithmic trading. And so like more so than ever, it's a very complex machine um, that nobody can really, in my opinion, fully understand or explain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People try to. They definitely try to, and they look back, and when they do, they can give you explanations of why it went up, why it went down. But again, totally. hindsight's twenty twenty. You've got you've got more information, right? Um, another problem that we should really address here for the stock market. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know why people, first of all, think the stock market and the economy are the same thing. I really don't. Um, and I want to kind of hammer that here in this uh, in, in this podcast. The stock market is forward looking. The economy is backward looking. It's two different things. Like the stock market is looking out to next quarter, which is like in September, right? They're looking at returns for September, whereas the G or the economy looks back at okay, what happened in January? Does that kind of make sense? That like one is forward looking, one is backward looking. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure term, that's where you're getting this yeah. massive disconnect. No, I'm I'm not sure I fully agree with you on that one. I, I mean, I, I understand the idea that the stock market, like the the economy, or the GDP, that's the data, right? So that kind of lags a little bit, and we get that data, we get to check the tape and see how the performance was, right? Um, but I, I hear your point. The stock market is forward looking, so the idea is it's not well, here, just yeah. about what happened; it's about what's going to come next. Right. So even right, if a exactly. company had a rough quarter or it's let's say it's it's kind of at an early stages of development, we think something really good is going to happen next. Right. Which is part of the big thesis of cannabis is that, yes, companies might not have the best earnings yet, but, you know, when X, Y and Z happen, that will unlock the potential for earnings and then they'll get there. Right. So it's forward looking. Right. But we're our, paying but for our that X, Y. But are X, Y, and Z like economic factors or are X, Y, and Z like sales factors or sector factors specific? Well, they could be regu- regulatory factors, right? Like a company could have a, a huge f- footprint in Arizona, for example, right? And Arizona right. looks like it's going to go legal. So if it, if it goes legal in the future, then the company will unlock you know, a, a torrent of sales, right? So the, co- the, exactly. the company could be priced in such a way that people expect it to go legal or at least give it some credit for the possibility that, you know, Arizona goes legal. Right. Right. I mean, I, I, yeah, you're, we're getting granular. So, so that, so like, that could be a, 
but that could be a disconnect to your point. That could be a disconnect because the reality of how the company's performing, which is backwards looking, the financials, right, doesn't line up with where the share price is trading because the share price is forward looking and they're pricing in the potential for that extra growth that's going to get unlocked. Right. But those two are correlated. It's the same thing. Like you're look, you're, you're, you have the price of a company and you're looking back on the company and you're already seeing a disconnect between one, the, the exact same entity. It's ABC Corp. ABC Corp prices trading at $100, but their fundamentals mm-hmm. from last quarter are showing that it should be worth $80. There's already a disconnect. Now let's take ABC Corp and talk mm-hmm. about something completely different, which is the economy. Okay. Right? So I know we chatted about this. If I had a crystal ball and I could 100% accurately predict what the economy was going to do next year, and we, we ran through this exercise, if I was going to say, hey, Manish, next year, uh, the economy is going to go up. GDP is going to grow by 4%, right? That sounds like, that sounds great. You're going to be like, oh, well, you know, I should probably invest in the stock market. But that has nothing to do with the stock market. The stock market could actually do bad in that year. Absolutely. It could, it could right? do poorly for a host of reasons. Exactly. And a good example of this is what happened in 2018, right? In 2018, we had a good economy and a great environment for business. Okay. You had 2.9% GDP growth. You had full employment, which means that unemployment was as low as 3.8%. Okay. That's like, remember you and I talked about this. That's unheard of. Um, you had new jobs being added. You had wage inflation. Those are all rosy, 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 great things, right? You would expect the stock market to have closed better. It was down that year. Right. I think it closed the year pretty low and then it bounced back pretty strong in 19. But exactly. I hear your point, right? right? GDP, everything was going great and yet the market closed down for the year, right? And the reason so, why so me, was that because, so, so Abby, because expectations, yeah, sorry, expectations are a big factor in the stock market. For right? sure. And so because for of sure, that, no question. They're, they're priced in. For sure. Okay. So let me ask you this. Do you feel that the stock market should, like, let's say the S&P 500, for example, right? Should that mm. accurately reflect the underlying businesses of those 500 businesses? Should the stock market accurately reflect those underlying businesses of the, uh, I mean, because <clears throat> we, we've, we've already what, agreed that, what does accurately reflect mean? Well, like, what should every we, company trade? Should every company trade one times their asset value? Is that what you mean by accurately reflect? No, no, no. What what I'm saying is, how do you think about, like, let's say, because because we've said you know the stock market contains, or sorry, the, the difference between the stock market and the economy is a bunch of things, right? And, and one big mm-hmm. factor is that there's a lot of businesses in the economy that will never make it to the stock market. Right, uh, you know, family-run businesses, anything, anything private, people don't want to take public. Right, companies that aren't right. big enough, companies that doesn't make sense to list and go public. Right, and and cannabis is an mm-hmm. exception because a lot of those companies went public, where you know, for those size of companies, mostly you wouldn't go public. Right, you would wait until you're much well, like, larger I mean, to go I public. Think- I think what a lot of people have to understand is why the stock market was created in the first place, right? The stock market was created so that companies could raise capital. That's why the stock Mm -hmm. market was created. It also creates the access to capital. Right. It also creates liquidity, right? Like if you have, if we own, like this happens in real estate all the time. Like let's say you and I own a $10 million property together, right? And we're partners, right? So we're 50, 50 partners. 
we have a mortgage, you know, we, we collect rent. And after we pay our mortgage and you and I split the profits, right? Makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then let's say, you know, you pass away and then you, you know, the, the, your 50% goes to your five kids, right? So now it's me, I've got 50% and then your five kids each own 10%, right? And, you know, you've got, you've got maybe two kids who love it and they think the, you know, the business is great and they want to, you know, own it forever. But then you've got three kids who want out. They, they're not interested in, you know, having a 10% stake in this business. You know, maybe they don't like owning it. Maybe they don't like me, whatever. Their mechanism to get out is very limited, right? They, they own a partial interest in a property. Either they have to go find somebody else to take this 10% share, which is going to be tough, or they can go to one of the existing shareholders and say, please buy me out, right? But right. any way you slice it, it's not very easy for them to liquidate what they own. It's very illiquid, right? So the stock market, yes, it's there to raise capital, but it's also there to create liquidity for existing owners, right? So even if the company doesn't need money today or doesn't need money, period. I think that liquidity, I think that liquidity comes from the access to capital, right? Because you've got a group of investors that are in um, mm-hmm. that will buy fractional shares of the company. That's where that liquidity comes from. It comes from the ability to, to access capital for those companies. So, for yeah, example, but, in your real estate example, sure. I was going to say, sorry, I was going to say, for for example, in your real estate example, let's say um, the two or three kids that wanted to sell, let's say there was they they knew people already who wanted to buy because there was a place where they could go and buy and sell real estate, fractional shares of real estate. Mm-hmm. Right. Does that kind of make sense, or is that? sort of way off well well, just what i'm what i'm thinking is no that makes no sense but what i'm <laughs> what i'm well what i'm thinking is just <laughs> what i'm thinking is just like from a stock market perspective for example companies raise capital when they go public or do a bot deal or whatever right um but yeah. a company might want to go public even if it doesn't need any money you see what i'm saying just right, because it wants liquidity to their to their investors to their existing investors right you're you're it's a you're right we're arguing over semantics because that is still yeah, access I, I, don't, to I, I don't know why yeah exactly i don't understand yeah. why a company would go public just to give liquidity to their investors because i'm sure if if it was a a, a very sought after stock they could find investors in the otc market which is the over-the-counter market because so you got a bond market that exists like that where you know you match the buyer and seller up to it um somebody like makes the market it's like I a would, yeah, I, I would I would really say the stock market. I don't I don't think the main purpose of the stock market is to provide liquidity. I think that's one of the benefits of the stock market. But the real yeah, purpose yeah, of the stock enough. market, I would say, the purpose is, is access to, to capital to raise capital. Yeah, it's to access to capital. Sure. Okay. Fair enough. So so uh, so back to the the original question is 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 the stock market at least an accurate representation of the underlying businesses included in the stock market, just the public companies. We're not talking about anything else in the economy. No, absolutely not. I mean, it, it, it depends on how you, now, now you have to get into schematics of how are you defining the stock market? Are you talking about the S&P 500? Because now you're only talking about 500 companies. Are you talking about right. Dow Jones? Well, let's, let's, yeah, so let's take, the, let's, take, let's take, for example, let's take the S&P 500 because that's a very finite group of companies, right? That's 500 of the biggest companies in the US, right? Does the S&P 500 accurately reflect how those 500 businesses are doing and why or why not? 
on average it should um, okay because then you you take a you take a look at the price of the stock right now we're not talking mm-hmm. about the economy versus stock market we're talking about uh, st- stocks versus companies so you think yes. of the price of the stock then you look at how much that pr- like you look at the pr- you look at how much that price is versus what you're getting for it and what you're getting for it is an asset that you have to create a val- a, a multiplier for for example right. Um, if you're, if you're using top line revenue as your asset, right, you're securitizing based off of top line revenue, you can say, okay, company ABC is trading one times top line revenue. And then you can look at the average of every other company that's trading off that. And then you can say, okay, this company is cheaper because everybody else is actually trading at four times top line revenue. Remember, those are just numbers that are made up right now, but right, right. But your, your point is you as the investor have to go in and do your own valuation on ABC Corp and right. then decide well, if no, no, the no. price accurately is reflected or not. Is that is that what we're saying? Exactly, exactly. Because a lot of people throw the term fundamental analysis out and being like, oh, I'm a fundamental analyst. I, I, I look at the fundamentals of the company. But it depends on what fundamentals you're looking at. Because amongst fundamental analysts, there are different things people will look at, right? Like we try to take a fundamental approach in cannabis but mm-hmm. if you talk to somebody like Warren Buffett, he's like, no, that's not fundamental at all. You guys are doing EBITDA earnings. Like, that's not even right. profitability, right? Right, 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 like, right, right. He'll right. only look at dividend growers. So that's a different asset that he's tying his intrinsic multiplier off of. So the answer to your question is yes and no um, on do does the S&P 500 accurately reflect the companies that it, that it owns? It doesn't. The S and P five hundred accurately reflects the price of the companies, but does it reflect the assets? I mean, that's up to you to decide on what multiplier what multiplier you want to use. Right, but so you in your so in your opinion, then, like what we're seeing right now with the market, which is the market just continually keeps going up despite there being more and more bad news, right? Like unemployment keeps spiking every week, higher and higher, right? Um, should that be reflected so in the S and P five hundred? Unemployment is something is a metric that would go into the economy. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be um, reflected in the stock market per se. And the reason why before anybody is like, what, what is this guy talking about? Um, and the reason why is I ask that all the time. Fiscal, yeah, it's because fiscal policy <laughs> makers could come in and step in and overshadow what's happening with unemployment to sort of smooth out the bumps in the short term. And that's what's happening right now. Unemployment numbers okay, are insanely talk, so talk high. Talk to me about that. So talk to me right. about that. So, so how does how do you view, like let's say there was no Fed response, right? Like like no huge stimulus package. Then in your mind, what should happen to the market? Oh, it should have been way, it should have gone below 2200. I'll tell you that. Should have gone to 90. Like it should have fallen off. It should have continued falling off a cliff essentially. Oh, absolutely. It should have been a way bigger than 30% decline. Because look, gotcha. we're looking at, we'll see what how the impact on GDP during this quarter has been from last quarter. And I don't think it's going to be a proportionate disconnect. Or sorry, I don't think it's going to be a proportionate uh, variance between uh, GDP and the stock market. I think the stock market, there's going to be a massive disconnect between the two, right? So for example, let's say Q1 GDP to Q2 GDP 2020 goes down by 40%. The stock market is not down forty percent today. I'll tell you that. Right, but we haven't. For, well, first of all, we haven't seen the data yet, right? We won't see it for another couple months, right? Because um, right. we're living it right now, right? Um, but secondly, mm-hmm. 
I guess to your point about it being forward looking, that might be okay if the market is is predicting or pricing in the idea that Q2 is going to be bad, but it's just temporary pain and we're going to get back to you know, where we were. We're going to get back to earning, right? So if that's the case, then maybe the market should be like, why should there be a fire sale when there's only going to be one or two quarters of pain? By the way, I think there's going to be a lot more pain, me personally. But I guess that's the argument, right? Is is why should there be yeah, a big I mean, discount yeah. on stocks? Well, I mean, listen, let's 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 talk about like sector specifically here. Like, let's look at the airline industry. The airline industry is getting like hammered. Buffett sold out of it. Nobody's flying anywhere. There's travel bans everywhere. Um, every airline should technically be looking to go to zero, but they're not right now, um, and they're not right now because you know the government can step in and give them money. Right. That's what like a lot of people are understanding is that the stock market is not the economy. It's two very different things. The economy can the government can come in and help the stock market by providing liquidity or buying bonds or issue sorry, issuing bonds and um pumping in money into the economy. Yeah, and I guess there's a sorry, pumping money into the stock market. Yeah, there you go. So, so I guess, but there's a big difference between when the government gives out like PPP loans, um, and then it's actually helping the businesses, right? As opposed to when the Fed steps in and starts buying, you know, bonds or assets, it's really helping the the market move more, right? It's helping liquidity in the market as opposed to actually giving the money to the businesses. However, everything yeah, kind of flows here. Yeah, everything kind of flows upward. So if people know the Fed is there to buy those bonds at the end of the day, then the market feels a lot more comfortable lending money to each other, right? So it's exactly. and and so although the Fed is helping the market, that in turn is helping people feel more comfortable, and that's keeping credit flowing to the businesses. So it does it does right. trickle down to the actual economy, even though the help is going directly to the market. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a delay, right? Because technically, the market should sure. be a leading indicator. That's what it should be. It should be a leading indicator, right? The, like I leading indicator of what happens next. Yeah, and we 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 talked about 2008 or sorry, 2000 uh, dot com crash as as an example. Um, one thing I did uh, just kind of slipped my mind right now. I think it'll come back to me. But one thing I did, I, there was something I wanted to chime in with when you were chatting. Um, it'll it'll come back to me. So let's just continue. Sorry, it was um, so okay. Look- Look, and and when it when it comes back, just just you know, let us know. But uh, basically, I, I think that's a, I think that's a really good primer on the difference between you know the mechanics of how the market works versus how the real economy works, right? Um, but right. sorry, I it wanna... just came back to me. <laughs> there you go. You, you triggered it. You, you triggered it. You triggered it. It just came back to me. <laughs> be you're incredible. Go ahead. <laughs> you triggered it. So when we were talking about um, money coming into the into the market. Um, you mentioned liquidity being a really a big benefit in the stock market, right? We talked about that yeah. uh, earlier in this episode. Um, and so with that, by providing liquidity, you alleviate the fear and allows the money to keep circulating, right? And then that allows in turn, will that's, that's when it trickles down to the economy. So when they're pumping right. in the money, they're giving liquidity right. to the market, right? They're adding right. one of the right. benefits that people come to the market for, which is access to capital. They're allowing access to capital to continue. Right, right, right. And and it's important to remember it's not just the stock market. Like in fact a bigger a much bigger market is the bond market. People borrowing money from each other and corporate debt, right? So 
before they pumped that liquidity into the system, the bond market was really freezing up. Um, and so them doing that really helped businesses in a very real way be able to borrow money again. So that was very important. Um, so, so you know, why this topic was really relevant to me is because where we're standing right now um, and where specifically I'm sitting is that, you know, in March, I made a really big bet, which was to say that, you know, I think the market is underestimating the impact of coronavirus. Um, and I sold almost all my holdings, which were basically all cannabis holdings at the time, right? So I took an absolute bath on the sale, no question. Um, and then now, two months later, you know, most of the things that I thought were going to happen have happened, right? Extreme social distancing, total shutdown of economies, um, you know, even countries which kind of be- dealt with the virus better, like China or South Korea, you know, having to deal with reopening, but having second waves and not sure, you know, having these kind of start and stop economies, right? So right. from that aspect, I look back and I'm like, wow, I really nailed it. I, I look, you know, what I what I thought would happen happened, right? But then the second part of, you know, the, the, the whole point to me of theorizing about all this stuff, spending all the time thinking about it was to inform my investment decision. So I said, look, people, you know, if you remember, Abby, back then, all the way back then when lockdown started, people thought lockdown was going to be two or three weeks, right? And I, and right. I was like, hell no, it's going to be more like three months and people aren't ready for that yet, right? Um, right. So all of that coming true, you know, to your point, even, even if you get all of that right, you can be completely wrong on trying to time the market, the stock market. So even though the real economy is hurting, it's probably never been in worse shape. Um, the stock market is doing great, right? And right, and and what that's really internalized for me is just the idea that the market doesn't have to make sense, right? And Abby, you've done a really good job of pointing out that you know the stock market is completely separate from the economy; it's a separate beast altogether. Um, but the point I'd like to drill down to even further than that for me personally is that the price of a stock does not have to make any sense at all. The price of the entire market does not have to make sense. The price of in the short term in the short term does not have to make sense. Yes, but a sh- but short term can be a day, it could be a month, it could be months. Right? So and, and that by the way is a lot of what we saw from living through cannabis. There were periods of time, you know, in in 2018 and 19, where the valuations made no sense. They were just way too high, right? And they were completely disconnected from reality. There were periods of time where valuations started to fall where they didn't make sense. They were too low, right? They, they They were too pessimistic and too cheap, right? But the point is, anything can happen in the markets. And we've been trained to think that you know, it, it will kind of go one-to-one with the underlying economy or businesses, but that's really not the reality, right? It's It really is kind of, in my opinion, like a Wild West type of market where you can own something that is a fantastic asset um, and generates a fabulous rate of return or has the potential to re- generate a fabulous rate of return, and the market could completely ignore it or undervalue it. And over right, time- remember. Yeah, go ahead. Right, because you have to remember the, the the reason for the market is access to capital, right? So even though it's a fantastic market, or even though it's a fantastic asset, 
it might not just be what the market is looking for at the moment. Yeah, that, look, that's a, that's a great point. And we've talked about before, I've mentioned before, the, the, care, the case of industrial real estate, where for a long time, industrial real estate was undervalued and you know it was like really not desirable. And in the last couple of years, it's become by far the most desirable asset class, right? And you know, right. part of that, there's like we said earlier, there's multiple factors in that, right? So part of that was just a natural evolution of demand and people going, okay, retail is dying out and e-commerce is sort of the next wave, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's part of it, right? But that's not the whole story. Part of it is literally just investor appetite. So more people showing up and wanting to buy um, and just putting pressure on prices to go up because that's what happens when you have more buyers and sellers, right? And the same thing can happen in the stock market. And I, w- I would argue, Abby, that... The more I learn about the stock market, the more I kind of appreciate what a crazy, crazy world it is. Um, and when you talk about venture industries and nascent industries like cannabis, there's just so much going on. There's there's such a it's such a wild west and meeting of minds of of you know large insider holdings versus retail investors purchasing versus just people who are day trading and flipping in and out that. And then add really in policymakers and law changes. Like, yeah, and add in crazy fast-moving regulation. Like anything mm-hmm. could really happen with that in, in the short term. Like you can buy something and it can completely fall off a cliff tomorrow, even if the underlying business is rock solid or hasn't really changed. Right? Like it, it appetites can really move quickly. They can move. uh, ferociously they can move in a big big way and people have this uh, i think especially the retail investors they have this desire for everything to be very neat and kind of well laid out so when when things keep going down they almost want to believe that it's being manipulated or that there's some you know force acting here that knows more than they do um but the more i've learned about this the more i'm like Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Not the not the big investment banks, not the investors, not the employees of the company. Sometimes not even the you know the executives of the company really know what's going to happen because there's just so many factors out of their control. Um, it's hard enough to try to predict where the business will go. Forget trying to predict the stock market. That's like a completely different animal. Um, that that you know. I don't think anyone is 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 really able to do accurately. Well, no. So you're right. I I wholeheartedly agree with you. You know, there's there's a lot of factors that are out of your control, but there are things that you can do to sort of protect yourself against that, right? Like, I don't want people to shy away from the stock market because you know Manish sold too early and he was you know, <laughs> coming to an end. Like, that's not that's not a good. Uh, I go up there. Yeah. Exactly. And so, and, and Manish, one thing I do want to sort of touch back on is, you know, when you were, when, when, when we were talking about all this and you were saying, Hey, this is going to get really bad. This is going to get really bad. I kept saying to you and I, and I, and I said it on this podcast as well, Hey, like don't bet against the world leaders when they're all getting together to combat one thing. Right. Um, sure. Even the whole, you know, and that, we're and not, that, one I, thing, I, that one thing they're combating is my portfolio returns. <laughs> exactly. The one thing that they're combating <laughs> is they want to make sure that, well, they want to make sure that, you know, money is still flowing in the economy because 
we can't control COVID. There's, there's no way for us. We don't know when the vaccine is going to come. It's a natural disaster. It's an, it's an act of God. Like there's nothing that you can do. That's going to say COVID is going to be done this day on this time. You just don't know. But what you can do is you can, you know, you can pump up the economy. You can pump up money. You can keep morale high. You can do all that stuff to mitigate some of the short-term volatility. I mean, look, is there going to be long-term issues? Of course. I mean, I, I think there is, that's a whole different episode, but Going back to what you're saying, look, if you look at underlying companies that have good businesses that are solid in an industry that's growing, you're going to do, you're going to be far better off than if you're going to try to time the market, right? Um, There's a very cliche saying, it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. And all that says, and Mm -hmm. I think, Manish, you love saying that, you know, in the short term, the market is a voting machine, the long term, what is it in the long term? It's a weighing machine. It's a weighing machine. Yeah. So as long as you stay in the long term, uh, you stay in the uh, the market for a long time, and you buy again fundamentals. And I know we, I want I know we went on a rant on like, well, fundamentals can mean different things. They can mean different things, um, but ultimately, you want to find profitable companies. That's the whole goal here. You know, companies that generate money that don't need to have access to capital will do fine. It's kind of like, it's like an oxymoron, right? Like if you have a good credit score and you have a lot of cash, the bank is going to lend you even more money, even though you don't need it. If you need the money and you have a bad credit score and you don't have a lot of cash, the bank's not going to lend you a lot of money, right? Fundamentals or profitable business are the same thing. They have access to capital in the stock market. If they don't need it, then they're a better attractive company. That's kind of like my food for thought here. Yeah, no, that's 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 a good point. And, and um, to your point, Abby, I, I mean, um, you know, look, I, I want to be completely transparent with people, right? Because other than just, you know, that's what we do. It's it's good for myself to have like a, uh, you know, kind of keep an, an honest dialogue of what I'm thinking, you know, and, and to be real, like people only talk about their wins, but they don't like to talk about their losses, right? So that's, that's part of what I'm doing here is talking about the fact that, look, I, I got hit twice. I sold early and I, I, so I missed out on the, all the, so I sold at a low and then I missed out on all the gains we've had, right? Um, but it, another way of looking at that is that that is the, you know, the beauty of the stock market, right? It is, it is there to, um, it is there to benefit you, but not to instruct you. So if you think about it as I do, as this Wild West place, then you don't get, you're not that affected by if the price it goes up 50% or goes down 50%. Because what a lot of people feel is that, is that the market knows more than them. And so if the, if the price drops precipitously, they will feel scared and they will sell you know, a stock that they bought because they're worried that the market knows something, right? Same thing if the stock shoots mm-hmm. up, they'll say, well, maybe I don't want to sell now because the market's onto something here and it could keep running, right? But so my point is just that there's tremendous opportunity to be had in the market because it behaves in very strange ways sometimes, right? Over the long term, it seems to behave rationally, right? And things kind of return to a normal. Um, but in the short term, it can be like that dog running around the park and it can run in all kinds of directions, right? And I think you're seeing that right now with cannabis and with the overall broader market where, you know, the recovery over the last two months has been dramatic, 
dramatic. And and I understand there's a ton of policy response behind it, and that's good. That's what they needed to do. But the earnings outlook for even the S&P 500 is very murky to me, at least. I, I can't make sense of where earnings are going to be for a lot of these companies. Um, and so it makes it very hard to value them. And certainly I wouldn't put a value on them that is essentially what it was in January, right? I would I would kind of pair right. it back and say, okay, I, I and want some is, more buffer today. Sure. And it right? is important so, to note so earnings just a, is only one of the... Yeah, sure. Earn- sorry, it is important well, to note that earnings is one of the uh, the factors that go into determining the price of a stock. Well, look, if you're a fundamental type of investor, then then in my opinion, only two things matter. Earnings and an appropriate multiple on top of it, right? Now, the, the trick is that we don't know forward earnings, so we have to try to guess those. And then it's up to each investor to determine what an appropriate multiple is, right? And that creates differences in, in how you invest or how I invest or how a pension fund invests, right? Um, mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, you talk about things like policy and and taxation and stuff like that. Again, to me, that just that you're just playing with the multiples and earnings, right? So that's how I think about something at the end of the day in terms of a fundamental perspective, right? Um, there's obviously a lot of gray area from here to there. And, and that's why, you know, we're in cannabis where stocks are not trading at that end value yet. They're ramping up to get there, right? And it could be a long ramp. But the point the point I'm making is the fact that the market behaves so strangely sometimes, that is to our advantage. Um, but we have to use it to our advantage, right? It can, it can often be to our detriment, right? And when I put on the real estate analogy hat, for example, um, if you run around finding an asset class that nobody else likes, like industrial back in the day, you could get a really good yield on it, right? Now, if you bought an industrial property you know, for a million dollars, you couldn't turn around tomorrow and sell it for 10% or 20% more, right? That's not really how real estate works. So you would just end up buying it and holding it. And you'd buy some more and buy some more and buy some more. And you'd, you'd keep clipping that, that nice yield that you're getting from the rents. And then one day, you know, five years later, the, the value of, those, of that portfolio you've amassed might have doubled or tripled as is, is what happened um, you know, in Toronto's industrial market. And that's when you might start selling off, right? So the point is that the market can undervalue a stock, a segment, um, any anything really, or overvalue it for a long period of time, right? Your job as an investor is to try to use the market to your benefit as opposed to try to gain information from the market. That's how I look at it. And so that's that's my big takeaway from all of this. My learning experience is that when I'm buying something, I really I have to be able to say if this goes down 50%, that's okay. That's the market doing what the market does. Uh, if this goes up 50% and I feel it's unwarranted, that's the market doing what the market does. And do I sell cuz it goes down 50%? You know, do I buy more or do I do the reverse? Right? Do I sell when it goes up 50% or do I buy more? right? Those are the things that you have to try to figure out as a takeaway and how you're going to behave in the future. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. So any, any closing thoughts, Abby, on, on the stock market versus the real economy? Yeah. If you could take one thing away from this, they are two very different things. They're not the same thing at all. Um, I would be very, very, very cautious when 
if if you think they are the same, definitely read up a little bit more on both of them, the economy and the stock market. Uh, this podcast is a great place to start. Um, but uh, but yeah, I would really I'd say the biggest key takeaway from this is that the stock market can behave very differently than how the economy can behave. There you go, guys. Uh, CINpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time. This podcast is a general communication and entertainment being provided for informational purposes only. It is educational in nature and not designed to be a recommendation for any specific investment product, strategy, plan, feature, or other purposes. Any examples used in this podcast are generic, hypothetical, and for entertainment purposes only. None of Cannabis Investing Network or its affiliates are suggesting that the listener or any other person take a specific course of action or any action at all. Communications such as this are not impartial and are provided in connection with advertising and marketing of products and services. Prior to making any investment or financial decision, an investor should seek individualized advice from, from a personal financial, legal, tax, and other professional advisor that take into account all of the particular facts and circumstances for an investor's own situation. By listening to this communication, you agree with the intended purpose described earlier. Opinions and statements of financial market trends that are based on current market conditions constitute our judgment and are subject to change without notice. We believe the information provided here is reliable, but should not be assumed to be accurate or complete. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for all investors.